Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast, changing a culture one man at a time. At Men of Iron, we equip men and grow godly leaders through creating and sustaining one-to-one and micro-group mentorships. Go to menofiron.org for more info. Thanks for listening. What is up, world? Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast, live from the Men of Iron headquarters. It's Steve and Garrett. What's up, G? Stevie, it's, uh, I don't know, what episode is this now? 24? This is 24. It's, we've come a long way. We have, man. It's exciting. It's, it's and, all and you. The cool thing is we have to preface Men of Iron Headquarters now because we've got an office in Ohio. It's pretty cool. I, yeah, tell me about it. Man. Yeah. Shout out to BZ. BZ out there in Canton, Ohio. Just spent the weekend out there. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the end. But yeah. Absolutely. Episode 24 is brought to you by Utility Keystone Trailer Sales. Over 40 years in industry, UKTS provides the ultimate customer experience, offering a wide range of solutions for all your hauling needs. Go to utilitykeystone.com to find out more. We would love to introduce our special guest today, Ryan Baumberger. Ryan is an Emmy Award-winning creative professional who founded the Radiance Foundation, a life-affirming 501c3 with his wife, Bethany, in 2009. He is an author, speaker, columnist, and passionate factivist. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here with you guys. What's going on, man? A lot. A lot. You know, just the, the regular stuff of life and then the extra stuff of life. He's no, a popular guy. Gone. He's a popular guy around this office. We're trying to hit record for the podcast, and people just keep busting into the doors trying to talk to him. Yeah, you know, I I did want to preface today's uh, you know podcast with you know have uh, Ryan and my my sister Heather uh, go back a, a long way, many many long. moons ago. Um, <laughs> so I always grew up knowing Ryan, and Ryan coming to our house and obviously being close to the family. So there's what. 14 years between my sister and I. So that was the age difference between uh, Ryan and I. So I always looked up at Ryan as a kid. I just thought he was the coolest uh, ever. Which yeah, you are. I mean, you, I mean, come on. Yeah, he is. Um, but I, I did want to share a story to get started because I, um, I think it's, it's important for our listeners and our viewers to really understand the true side of somebody, the true side. So uh, I'm just kidding, Ryan. <laughs> So wait a minute. He's about to hang up on us. So as we'll is authorized. as we will learn through this podcast, Ryan um is is very unique and Ryan is a factivist and he will challenge the status quo. And mm-hmm. so that's what I love about Ryan. So growing up, there was this neighbor lady of ours named Lillian. And Lillian was probably the grumpiest, most bitter, <laughs> angry woman. That you would ever meet, God rest her soul. Yeah. Um, but as a kid, I feared Lillian. I feared her, <laughs> and so much so that she was the old lady in the block that uh, she cut. She had a front yard that was probably I don't know. Ryan, you nailed it earlier, like five by five. Yeah. See, and so he <laughs> he uh, she we used to cut her grass with her scissors. Jeez. And so you could not step foot in her yard. You could not do it. So balls that would go in her front yard. You know, I'm a I'm a kid playing out in front of the house with my friends, our baseballs, soccer balls, whatever would go in her yard. Man, she it was like she would bring a knife out, pop <laughs> the balls in front of us, and we wow. were just oh my. And she she over the years probably had oh a collection God. full of my my toys and balls. So anyway, Ryan caught wind of this one time. And I said, no, Ryan, you, you cannot go in that front yard. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean I can't go in this front yard? So he would used to go into her front yard and dance. And I 
I can remember the angst and the nervousness and the sickness that I would get in my gut because I honestly thought we would see Ryan no more. And he would go in and he would, I think it was, you know, the running man or something you would do in her front yard. Um, and then she'd come out and he'd run away and then he'd go back and do it again. Oh, so good. oh man. man, it was just so good, good memories with Ryan. Hey, I was teaching you boldness, man. I was teaching you boldness. That's right. Yeah, you. it was definitely iron sharpening iron there. <laughs> well, Ryan, we, we, we all don't know you as intimately as Garrett and Heather, but could you just let the listeners know who is Ryan Baumberger? Wow. Uh, I'm, a, I'm someone loved by God. I'm someone loved by two incredible parents who knew my backstory and loved me anyway. Mm. I'm from a family, small family of 15. I have, <laughs> you know, the typical American family. Mm-hmm. I have six brothers and six sisters, and 10 of us were adopted. Wow. So when people ask who I am, I, I'm someone who was rescued. Mm. I was someone that the world said should have been aborted, actually. Mm. I was conceived in rape. And my biological mother not only chose the incredible gift of life, but she gave me the gift of adoption. And I grew up in a family, uh, just loved, loved, you know, our family's mixed. We're white, we're black, we're white and black, Native American, Vietnamese. Some of us (laughs) have disabilities. All of us have special needs, like the both of you and anybody listening. And that is to love and to be loved. Mm. And so who am I? I am someone who is loved, someone who was rescued someone who's been able to flourish because two people who love the Lord love those that God created and refuse the, the narrative from the world that if they're unplanned, they're going to be unwanted and unloved. Mm-hmm. So, and today I'm happily married man with four kiddos, wow. two of whom are also adopted. And uh, yeah, I'm still that wild, crazy guy dancing <laughs> in your neighbor's yard. He's still doing the running man in people's yeah, yards. except, you know, the, the stakes are a little a little higher now, but it's okay. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into a little bit more of your story, but we want to hit you with take five if you're ready for it, man. We're going to make you sweat a little. Yeah. All right. All right. These go. are pretty right. easy, by the way, Ryan. I, I was really disappointed, Steve. I thought he'd, hey. he'd make you sweat a little bit. Well, you can throw one in there. Maybe I think of one here. Maybe it'll be take six. We'll see. (laughs) All right, Ryan. Take five. Question number one. You do a lot of public speaking. Do you get nervous before speaking? Not anymore. Hmm. No. I used to sing in front of thousands of people. And so speaking is actually a lot easier than singing. Hmm. So, no, I don't. It's just a God-breathed sort of thing. And I just go in there and do what I was created to do, man. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, I know that your kids are homeschooled. So what are the best and worst parts about homeschooling your kids? <laughs> yes, let's start with the best. The best is that we get to be their major influencers. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who get to be with them. I get to have you know lunch dates with them. I get to dance in the middle of the workday with them. I get to be their main influence. And I love that. Bethany, my wife, Bethany, and I, my favorite woman on the planet, we, we love this aspect of it. Let me get to the worst part of it. <laughs> it can be like a 24-7 thing. I mean, I, why are you still doing work at 10 o'clock at night? Starting the day is a little different. I mean, my wife is a teacher too, by the way. She taught mm. in inner city Philly where they would have riot lockdowns. Mm. And she thought homeschooling would be easier. <laughs> she, was, she was wrong. Still, wow. still riot <laughs> lockdowns in the Bomberger household is what you're saying. <laughs> And my four children, even though they're not all biologically related to me, they are like me. So, yeah, it is, it's a tough thing. It's not for the faint of heart, but I, I will go back to the best part of it. 
the best part of it is God lets us fashion our kids, lets us mold our kids. And that's a beautiful thing. Amen. Awesome. Take five. Question number three is what album or song have you had on repeat lately? Uh, I love the, the, the sound and the voice of Tori Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, her hiding place album. I mean, my, my little girl, Aaliyah, my youngest daughter, she, that little girl can sing. Mm-hmm. And there's something Tori Kelly really just, just, connects with her and so when we listen to these songs we sing along i take her to, to school she's the only one that actually goes to charter school out of my four children we've homeschooled them for years but now Aaliyah goes to charter school for just one year hmm. and then she's back into the fold but we just we just sing that at the top of our lungs on the way to school and it's just really powerful i mean it's just a god-breathed sort of thing and you don't expect that from a, a secular artist right and so i listen to that a lot i love really really good voices just awesome soulful voices and she's got one awesome Amen. amazing question number four what is your greatest career achievement to date my greatest career achievement wow okay i would say starting something from nothing which would be the radiance foundation mm-hmm. people thought we were out of our minds why are you going to start a nonprofit? why are you going to leave the full-time job and all the benefits and the security of the full-time job but honestly, our security is not in the provisions of some job. Amen. Our security is in Christ. And so even with some people close to us kind of giving us not exactly hopeful outlook, we stepped out in crazy faith, you know, operating on no income when we started. And so I think that was probably the greatest career achievement made possible by my wife's endurance and my, I mean, it was a partnership. It wouldn't have happened without both of us. and certainly wouldn't have happened without God. So yeah, the awesome. Radiance Foundation. Amen. Awesome. All right, last question. You said you grew up in a small family of 15. What is your yeah. favorite childhood moment that doesn't involve maybe Garrett Barbush? <laughs> it can't involve him. It doesn't matter. Oh, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> favorite chi- you know, my favorite childhood moment, moment was kind of a yearly thing, and it was just our whole family going to the ocean. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, you know, material wealth is, is not the most important thing. We were wealthy in so many other ways. And my dad and my mom taking us to the beach was just, it was just the best moment of the year. Hmm. And I still, even as a, an older adult, a father of four, I, I still love going to the beach. And so growing up in that big family, seeing, you know, just playing all day long with all my brothers and sisters and no one trying to kill each other because everyone's happy at the beach. Um, that was probably just the best moment each year in the Barnberger household. Awesome. I get, a lot of good moments. But. I get overwhelmed taking um, my four-year-old and two-year-old to the beach for a day. I can't imagine <laughs> your parents taking 15 kids uh, to the beach. It was crazy in a maxi van because they were called maxi vans or club wagons back then. There were no minivans. Mm. And we all and it was vinyl seats. Oh, I yeah. remember when, when I was younger, we didn't have any air conditioning. So vinyl seats, cracked vinyl seats, hot blazing heat sitting in the back with my two brothers who would pummel me the whole way, but it was still fun. <laughs> I think the, yeah, bomb, but it was crazy. I think the Bomberger parents kids. are going to have a special place in heaven. Oh, there oh, is definitely God. some extra crowns <laughs> and gems and everything yes. else that they're going to have, uh, 100%. Yes. Man. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ryan. We appreciate you sweating it out for Take 5. I don't think it was too bad. No, no. I think for this I next, this next, you know, the the interview style part of, um, you know, why we're really here to to learn more about Ryan and 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 what you're doing with the Radiance Foundation. Could you just 
stand up just a little bit so we can see oh, your shirt because yeah. I think that's going to really set the tone for low reveal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so less we, we activism need some music for this or something. Yeah, less <laughs> activism, more factivism. Be a factivist.com. Uh, this is a really good segue right there. It is, folks. There it is it's a really good segue into the interview style. So, um, yeah, Ryan, we've got some questions here. I'm gonna let Stevie ask you, but I'm I may interject because um, just kind of knowing you a little bit more personally, and and maybe knowing where some of the challenges are that um, leading the Radiance Foundation, um, and and maybe some of the situations you've been in. So we may. This may go a little rogue. We'll we'll see where it goes. But hey, I'm all right with that. Yeah, right. Ryan likes rogue. Yeah, yeah, love it. So we talked. We Ryan, you talked about obviously, you know, radiance in '09. You guys, you and Bethany, starting that, and that kind of being your career achievement. What? Why was radiance birthed in '09? Can you just kind of tell us about the beginning of that? You know, we had had a passion for years about illuminating that every human life has purpose, and so on the side, you know, in addition to my full time job, I would speak at social services events, adoption events, and a few pregnancy centers. So we wanted to expand what we were doing because we had this burden for <clears throat> fellow Christians we felt were unwilling to engage in the tough conversations about culture-shifting issues. Hmm. And so my wife is an educator. She taught for 13 years, and I served as a creative director in the ad agency world for the same amount of time. We wanted to tackle these tough issues in the, in the context of God-given purpose. So we wanted to tackle issues like abortion and adoption and fatherlessness and poverty and family disintegration, free speech, religious liberty, all these things, you know, basically the war on common sense. And so we launched the Radiance Foundation out of that passion to want to creatively illuminate that every human life has purpose. Hmm. And it was all predicated on, you know, Corinthians thirteen six: love does not delight in evil, hmm. but it rejoices in the truth. Hmm. So our motivation is love. But there were so many things to break through, and so that's how Radiance Foundation ten years ago. Actually, this is our ten year anniversary. Wow! Congrats. Birth. Wow, that's yeah, that's amazing. And Ryan, I know you know you mentioned it earlier, kind of in the introduction, but um, you know you um, being the result of of a rape um, and and your birth mother making the decision to um, live out this act of love by you know not aborting you, um, but but rather hey having this child and putting it into a culture that where you would be loved and supported and, and cared for. So, I mean, this is, I'm not sure we could be having this podcast at maybe a better time in, in, uh, in our country's history right now with everything that is in the headlines and in the news and the recent, um, just crazy, crazy news coming out of New York and, and everything else with abortion. But, um, yeah, I mean, what what do you believe is the single greatest lie that culture tells us about abortion? Hmm. I think the single greatest lie is that abortion empowers women. Mm -hmm. As a Christian, we know where our source of power comes from, and certainly it does not come from an act that that destroys the most powerless, the most vulnerable, the most marginalized. So we have this culture where they say, hey, Roe v. Wade and empowered women, they become equal. How do you become equal by allowing an abortionist to take the life of your child? So we, we have this, this culture that believes that the only way for women to achieve equality is to embrace the violence, the, the violent discrimination, if you will, the violent inequality of abortion. 
And it's just amazing how we dress up so many things in our culture with these euphemisms. It's amazing what we do with words. Mm. Um, but I would say that's probably the, the single most potent lie that somehow you are empowered. You can be more with an abortion. Mm. So I, I want to expand on that a little bit, Ryan, because, um, you know, we are fully, uh, at least, I, I don't know if you, I mean, really, Stevie and I talked about this a whole lot before this, but I am expecting uh, full backlash on this episode yeah. um, because of the nature of it, right? And and, right. and I welcome that backlash. I'm not, you know, uh, we're not going to stand down to, to situations where, we, you know, we feel like we need to take a stand. And so... Um, can you maybe speak to, uh, there's a lot of, um, activism, right. Um, based around right. this, um, pro-life, um, pro-choice movements. Uh, what are some of maybe the facts out there in regards to women and abortion that, um, maybe aren't necessarily understood from a cultural level? Maybe what are some of the lies I should say that, that the media tells us about abortion? Well, going back to the whole abortion empowers women. No, it empowers abortionists to become extremely wealthy. Mm. And as we're seeing in states across the country where you have a political party that is trying to eliminate every single restriction, every single regulation. I mean, abortion facilities are the only medical facilities that don't have to have the same standard as all other medical facilities. Mm. No accountability. They don't want any inspections. Um, what we saw in New York with the Reproductive Health Act, it's a perfect example of a pro-abortion side trying to cast abortion as somehow this, this beautiful right, as this human right, but yet they take away the right of a woman to, one, understand what makes her uniquely and beautifully different than men, <laughs> um, take away the right. Here in Virginia, they wanted to eliminate all information given to a woman about uh, the risks of abortion, about prenatal development, about all the pre- and post-pregnancy public and private resources that were available to her. The bill that they were trying to pass, HB 2491, actually eliminated all of that requirement of the abortionist to inform the woman. So when it comes down to it, we, we people say, you know, Planned Parenthood, for instance, trust women. No, they don't. They're the ones who actually fight against every single women's right to know bill. They're the ones who fight against every parental notification, every parental uh, consent law. So we have to understand it's a billion-dollar industry. Yeah. Planned Parenthood last year um, – committed over 332,000 abortions. This is their moneymaker. Hmm. They don't make money from adoption referrals. They don't make much money from contraception, which they're always pushing. Um, their moneymaker is abortion. Hmm. And so will people understand that abortion really is um, state-funded, because it comes from our, our pocket, state and federally funded uh, exploitation. And so as, as a man, Shouldn't I be bothered by the fact that a billion-dollar industry is acting as a predator on women, and especially in communities that look a little bit like me, mm. in black communities where you have fatherlessness, epidemic of fatherlessness, about 70% in the black community? Planned Parenthood understands this. The abortion industry understands this, and that's why they prey on vulnerable families, mm. on vulnerable communities, and as men— it's not like we are the only ones who can protect, but it is part of our role. And Planned Parenthood understands when a man is out of the picture, that they have communities that are far more susceptible to their tactics, far more susceptible to their exploitation. Mm. And, we, and it happens. And it's happening in, in such destructive ways. Um, I mean, you're talking 63 million plus human beings 
killed by abortion since Roe v. Wade. That's some serious destruction mm. of those made in the image of God. Wow. I know uh, a lot of the times people want to talk directly to um, or directly maybe about women when it comes to abortion. But and, and I don't know maybe if you can speak to this a little bit, but I was just down in uh, Tampa meeting with a group of men down there. And one of the guys, um, now I don't, I don't know the facts behind this, but he was just kind of sharing a generalization um, where there was some sort of pregnancy center uh, that he's involved with. And uh, he mentioned that um, the number of men that are seeking uh, counseling, um, sort of a, a recovering, um, you know, healing from from men that have you know been part of this abortion process, whether they were the ones that maybe impregnated somebody that you know supported this abortion, but now that are are struggling uh, with the fact that um, you know the woman that they were involved with uh, made the decision to have this abortion. Is that something that you're seeing as well? That that more men are impacted by this than we realize. Absolutely, and, and my heart breaks. I mean, the way that we, the pro-life movement even approaches this is full of compassion. That's why there are over 3,000 pregnancy centers that not only walk along with women facing unplanned pregnancies, not just women, but mothers and fathers, right. uh, during pregnancy and for years after pregnancy, they also walk this journey of healing with those who are post-abortive. You know, growing up, I never even heard of a post-abortive man. But when you're talking about a culture where men have no say, I mean, in fact, there are those who are pro-abortion who don't want us to talk at all. You know, you have no right. It's a women's issue. No, it's the last time I checked, biologically, we wouldn't exist without a male and a female. We're still 50% of that equation, at least for now. Um, so all the more reason for us to talk. I mean, you think of Roe v. Wade, too. It was brought to us by seven men in black robes. Mm -hmm. So it was seven to two. Um, as far as the ruling, Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, men should never be silent about this. Do we approach this with compassion and with mercy? Absolutely. But what we don't do is embrace the lie that somehow this is just a woman's issue and we need to shut up. Mm. That's good, man. That's good. And yes. for those who are hurting and healing, I mean, there are men who don't even want to talk about it. They don't want to be vulnerable enough to under, to admit, I'm hurting. I forced my girlfriend to have an abortion or I'm hurting because I forced my wife to have an abortion. There's healing. And I thank God we serve so we serve a God of wholeness and healing, Amen. and it's never beyond our reach. Ryan, speaking about kind of, you know, telling men that they, you know, never need to be silent about this, how well do you think the church and Christians in general speak up and out against abortion? <laughs> Not very well. Hmm. At all. It's why we have the culture that we do. I mean, I grew up non-denominational, non-denominational evangelical. And I can tell you, I don't remember one time ever hearing the word abortion. In fact, the only time I think we heard the word adoption was because obviously our family looked a little different than everybody else. <laughs> um, so I guess there were moments my parents want us to be like the Von Trapps and we went up on stage and sang. That didn't last very long. But anyway, um, <laughs> so there, those are the instances maybe where adoption was mentioned. But to not talk about it, to not engage, um, it, it's it's devastating. I mean, because the rest of the world's talking about it. In fact, the rest of the world, you know, they have their hashtag, shout your abortion, and yet so many churches are silent. But I will say that I'm encouraged. And through the work of the Radiance Foundation, we work with so many other organizations. We work with churches that are awakening to this and understanding that they have to play a role. It's kind of like during the civil rights era. Martin Luther King Jr., when he was in jail, letters from a Birmingham jail, was a— was a letter scolding Christian leaders, scolding churches for not speaking up, 
for, for this fight for, for human equality. So he was calling them out. I mean, we're humans. Our favorite shape is the circle. We repeat the same thing over and over and over again. We're, it's the same thing. Largely, the church is silent. Obviously, the Catholic Church leads in this whole thing. We wouldn't have a pro-life movement without the Catholic Church. And I am happy, though, to see that there are some uh, mainline churches and denominational churches that are non-denominational churches that are awakening to this and getting involved. But there's there's so much more. I mean, just look at the passage in New York City. I mean, I'm sorry, in New York, the Reproductive Health Act. Where was the outcry hmm. from churches? Not not after the bill was passed. Where was the outcry before right. it was passed? I mean, this is something that's actually they've tried year after year after year to pass. And because of the recent elections, they finally had enough uh, in, you know, pro-abortion politicians who voted for that. So I, I just want to say there's, there's a great way the church can get involved. It's a it's an incredible resource. It's actually from CareNet, if I can throw out a URL here. Yeah, absolutely. Care, okay, it's care-net.org, and it's called Making Life Disciples. It is an excellent program for teaching the church how to stand for life, how to understand all the issues surrounding surrounding it. It is it's a powerful resource, and I really would encourage churches to adopt that, put it into a Sunday school program. There's nothing like it, and that's one way the church, who I think sometimes leaders feel like, I'm not even sure where to start. I don't know where to begin. That's a great place, not only to begin, but a great place to end because you train up people who understand why we must fight to defend those destroyed, those who are made in the image of God, um, and how we as a church have to defend human dignity. That's good. How can the, how can just that pro-life listener out there, how can just that individual do something that somebody that wants to speak up, but just hasn't done it or is afraid to do it or whatever it may be? Right. Well, there are lots of ways. I mean, now we have social media where we can engage in conversations with people that we would never have been able to back in high school when um, there was no such thing as internet. So there are ways to engage in conversation, share content. Like if they go to our website, radiance.life, there's, there are lots of videos, memes, fact sheets to engage in conversation. There are things you can do locally. There are pregnancy centers that are there locally. You can you call them up. They would love for you to volunteer there's maternity home. I mean, you've got House of His Creation there in that area. Um, I think it's Women's Choice in Lancaster, the Pregnancy Center. There are ways that people can connect on a local level and, and get involved. So I, I would encourage someone, just, even if it's a few hours a month, that there are ways for you to get to plugged in, for you to understand the beautiful transformational things that happen at pregnancy centers where they are constantly filling women with hope as opposed to the abortion facilities that are constantly saying, nope, mm. you can't overcome. You can't face the unplanned. Well, I'm call me crazy, but I'm firm believer in Philippians 4.13. With God, all things are possible. Facing the unplanned is not an impossible thing at all. That's good. So man. I think there are lots of ways that people can get involved locally. Ryan, could you just maybe just spend a minute or two talking? I mean, what you're doing um, – I think it's easy for the the listener or viewer to be like, oh yeah, he's doing a really good thing. Um, but but you've, I mean, it, it's more than just at the local level. You've been at the, you know, world level. And I, I believe that you and your wife are, are in the area that you are because of so much work that you're doing down there in, in DC and and uh, the advocacy that you're you're putting forth in that area. But I mean, this is not some small battle. This is a huge battle that you guys have been been facing. And with that has come some serious warfare. Um, you know, people don't understand. I don't think that 
just talking to you in passing, but like, if I understand correctly, you guys have had threats to your life and mm-hmm. to your family. And I mean, I mean, can you speak to any of that, like the severity of what you're doing and why people need to, to back the Radiance Foundation and, and support what you and Bethany are up to? Yeah, I mean, people want to cast abortion as, as healthcare. It's not. It is a deeply divisive political issue. It's a deeply, it's a moral issue. I'm sorry, it actually transcends politics. Um, it, there's there's deep-seated racism embedded in all this. I mean, here it's Black History Month, and and people want to talk about you know systemic racism. Let me tell you what systemic racism is. It's a government-funded, taxpayer-funded entity that disproportionately kills Black lives. You know, in New York City, where Planned Parenthood is is was spawned, if you will, more Black babies are aborted than born alive. Mm-hmm. So for every 1,000 born alive, about 1,040 uh, back in 2015, which is one of the most recent years for statistics. Uh, I mean, you're talking about an organization that does not see us as being created equal. So when when you say things that go against the grain and that, that don't affirm that status quo, people don't like it. I mean, yes, we've got death threats. Insane. I mean, some of the most racist messages um, in our inboxes, and, and there are a lot of inboxes these days, whether it's your email or your social media accounts or whatever it may be. We've also been sued. I mean, we were sued by the NAACP. Now, this was, you can tell I'm kind of brown. I don't know you see I'm brown. I mean, I grew up revering the NAACP, but somehow the NAACP, which is, you know, the nation's largest uh, and oldest, I guess, next to NRA, I guess, uh, civil rights organization, and they sued me for parroting their name. Mm. I was calling out their radical pro-abortion position because they partner with Planned Parenthood and they sued me. They mm. sued the Radiance Foundation and two years in federal court that we're having to deal with this nonsense because wow. I was exercising my most, one of my most basic civil rights, you know, free speech. They lost. Thank, thank mm. goodness for Alliance Defending Freedom. But there's, there's craziness. I mean, there's a reaction, uh, this visceral sort of reaction. This is where we as Christians have to understand. It's beyond the political. There is a moral, there is a spiritual dynamic here that people aren't seeing, aren't recognizing, and we have to. Because mm. my, my battle is not against another person. My battle is against spirit, I mean, spiritual powers, principalities. And when you understand that, you approach it differently. Mm. I don't hate anyone. I don't you know, convey hate in any, in any way. It's always love. Because you have to understand a lot of people are acting out of brokenness. Mm-hmm. And when there's spiritual brokenness, oh, mm-hmm. the venom is so potent. So, yeah, we, we've been attacked um, in a lot of different ways and even attacked by people we would think would be our allies. Mm-hmm. You know, like Christian colleges, like Wheaton College wow. that uh, denounced me because as a brown person, I did not I do not embrace the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. which is radically pro-abortion and aligns itself with Planned Parenthood. So the attacks come from some of the strangest places. Mm. But in the end, I mean, we have to remember, Scripture tells us when we serve God, when we serve the Lord, I mean, Christ said, the world is going to hate you. Yeah. I'm not out there to be loved and be the most popular. I am out there to love and to bring truth and to be an agent of change Mm. and wholeness and healing. But hate is kind of a part of, of what we receive because we're serving the Lord. It's just part of the territory. It really is. You know, Steve, that takes me back to my, this idea that, you know, I've, I've said this uh, multiple times, even this year in some of our mentor and protege trainings, but this idea that as men in particular, because we work with men, um, you know, it's, it's that idea that, you know, when God calls us to do something, um, I've never read an account in scripture, not once, 
And if anybody else can find it, please email us and let us know. But every single time, every account that I read in Scripture where God has called somebody, man or woman, to do His will, it is always faced with opposition. It's always a challenge. And I think that's part of our faith journeys. I think that that's part of God's design, part of His character. Um, Because I think so many times we want to rely on our own strength. We want to rely on our own abilities. We want to rely on, you know... Uh, what the world wants to give us. However, I've just, every time I read scripture, I'm like, man, that guy got through it. That woman got through it. But, you know, when God calls us to do the things that he wants us to do, uh, it's never easy. And and I think that, you know, the church maybe in general, um, not any particular church, but, you know, evangelical Christianity has maybe painted this picture of, oh, if you come to Christ, hey, your life is going to be a lot easier. And I I do believe there's some truth to that. I do believe that right. there's peace and there's eternity in that and there's salvation and there there is all that. However, um, I also read what Scripture says about that. And yeah, just like Ryan's facing opposition um, from maybe even parties that you would think would be supportive in that is, is there's opposition. And so... Um, to any listener or viewer that's out there that God is stirring you to do something, be encouraged because he's chosen you to do that. Mm -hmm. But also understand Mm -hmm. that um, it's a challenge, just like any full-time career outside of ministry would be challenging. Like what God calls us to do, um, I don't think will ever and should never be easy. That's good. Ryan, can you just can you just let the can you just let the listeners know how they can find out more about the Radiance Foundation, how they can get involved? Absolutely. You can go online to our main website, which is www.radiance.life, or check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But there are lots of ways for for people to learn and then take that awareness and put it into action. So I really encourage people to to check out our website. And then, Ryan, just one last thing. I know we're kind of running over our time here, Steve, but deal with it. Okay. I'm fine, man. I'm good. We can go all day with Ryan. (laughs) Um, Ryan, we like to, you know, obviously kind of tie everything back to this concept of, of mentorship. Um, and, and we believe that, you know, mentorship is one of the greatest avenues for, for growth to take place. Um, you know, as you guys fight for the voiceless, you give purpose to individuals, you know, who don't think they have a purpose, who in your life, um, you know, gave you a voice and and gave you purpose? Who, who spurred that along in you? Oh my gosh, my parents, Henry and Andrea Bomberger. A lot of people may know the Bomberger name from Bomberger store. My my family owns that. And um, I would say my dad is the most incredible man I've ever known in my life. It's really hard because he's um, fighting Parkinson's right now. Mm-hmm. But he is a man who all his life has been a man of faith. My dad was the same person at home that he was outside of the home. He was that man of iron <laughs> growing up, yeah. and he was that iron who sharpened the iron in our family. He, a man who loved Jesus, and it showed all the time. Um, so I would say my, I mean, I love my mom to death too. Of course, I'm not I'm not downplaying my mom, um, but honestly, my dad, as far as just a role model for who I want to be as a man and who I want to be as a father, that's Henry Baumberger. Amen. And um, yeah. To, speaks to the power of fatherhood, right? And and the yeah. responsibilities that we carry as fathers. And I know that's some of what the Radiance Foundation is doing. What, what I mean, for the men that are listening or watching this, what, what what could you encourage them with when it comes to fatherhood? Yeah, we, we have such a great example in, in God the Father. And I know there are some men, a number of my friends, who didn't grow up with an earthly father. 
but God shows us what a father is to be, a father who's consistent, a father who's loving, a father who corrects, uh, a father who is strong. In fact, I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and act like men. Be mm. strong. Amen. I mean, we're in a culture where they, they're always downplaying masculinity, and they call it toxic masculinity. And you know what? We need biblical masculinity. Amen. That's what we need. And I just want to encourage those who are fathers. There are so many times we're comparing ourselves to everything and anything else, and we feel like failures here, there, and everywhere. Don't listen to all that stuff around you. Honestly, listen for the voice of God. Pour yourself into into the Word, and 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 hear those promises, hear those words of affirmation, because you don't need the world constantly um, discrediting you and demeaning you and kicking you to the breath. Stop watching Disney, because <laughs> Disney does not understand what fatherhood is. We're a bunch of you know dolts and buffoons. No, listen to the heart of the Father hmm. in the Word of God, and I'm telling you, it, it changes everything. Our culture is crying out for fathers. Mm. We have an epidemic of fatherlessness, but with every epidemic, there's a remedy. And that remedy is the word of God, training up men to understand what it means to be a man of God, what it means Mm. to be a father. That's awesome. Wow. I don't even know where to go from here. I just, I want to go out and just... Live out factivism. There we go. Can we just keep talking to Ryan the rest of the day? Yeah, Ryan, you just want to take over the rest of the day for us? Just go ahead and take over the rest of the podcast. Come on. I'll talk to you guys anytime. Yeah, stay tuned for our five-hour podcast with Ryan (laughs) Bomberger. Well, Ryan, um, we just want to let you know, man, we love you. We love the Radiance Foundation. We love what you and Bethany are doing. And, um, man, my gosh, what you're doing is such a big deal. And and that's why we wanted to get you on the show because – what you're doing, uh, in my mind, needs to be out there. It needs to be in front of the public eye. Um, and uh, whether Christian or not, uh, what you're doing is a big deal, and it's important. And so uh, we, I personally, and from Men of Iron standpoint, uh, from our staff and our board, we thank you for uh, doing what we call men to do, and that is you know, to, to go out there and, and to uh, be bold and to do the thing that, that God's calling us to do. So thank you, man. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. So one last time, Ryan, why don't you give them your your website and where they can follow you on social media and all that good stuff. You can go to our website at www.radiance.life or just check us out. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is actually at Life Has Purpose. Life Has Purpose. Um, Because we just radically believe that craziness. Life Has Purpose. Just well, so, you just so you're aware, Ryan, Heather right now is outside the studio here dancing. I can hear. I can hear. <laughs> yes, he can hear I you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, thanks so much for your time, Ryan. We love you, man. It's a pleasure, Ryan. Love Thank you. you. Thanks. Yeah. Man, that was good stuff. It was. Yeah, Ryan is. Uh, Ryan is a real deal, and uh, we're we're grateful for everything that he's doing. And um, yeah, why don't you, uh, Stevie? What's what's new this week? What's been happening? Man, well, we just launched our Ohio region mentor and protégés last weekend in Canton, Ohio at the One Center. Thank you to the One Center for for hosting. Yeah, we're the uh, collaborative partner with the One Center out there in Canton. Check out um, onecentercanton.com. It's a leadership center that uh, their vision is to send out 20,000, what they're saying, missionaries in the next seven years. But really, they're just trying to take out 20,000 leaders that are being equipped through the One Center's 
uh, services and going out and doing the work that God's called them to do. So we have an office out there. Brian Ziegler's working full-time from there. We're really excited to be part of that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. For more info on Men of Iron, you can go to menofiron.org. Check out the Men of Iron podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, video version on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Thank you again to Ryan Bur- Baumberger from the Radiance Foundation. It was radi- the radiancefoundation.life. Dot org, yeah, dot org. Dot Am I life. saying it right, Ryan? Uh, the radiancefoundation.org, or it's easier okay. just radiance.life. There we go, radiance.life. And thank you to our sponsor, Utility Keystone Trailer Sales. We are out of here. All right, guys. Hey, Ryan, thanks again. Stevie, thanks for all your work, and uh, we'll talk to everybody next episode. See you guys.